Hello and welcome to Living Heritage, a show about people who are engaged in the heritage and culture sector, all those who keep heritage alive at the community level. I'm Dale Jarvis, and today's guest is Bruce Templeton. Bruce Templeton's journey with Santa has taken three phases so far. In 1978, he was asked to play Santa. He was an actor. In 1982, he held the hand of a dying child whose last words were Santa, Santa. Then he became Santa. And in the last few years, he has met St. Nicholas, who has joined them on their visits. Bruce has joined Santa in the parades for 37 years, and they have 50 visits each year in less than 30 days. Their last visit is to the Janeway on Christmas Eve, where Santa holds the newest newborn born on Christmas Eve. Bruce Templeton, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm delighted you are here for this kind of holiday episode of, uh, of Living Heritage. And it's, uh, it's nice to, uh, to be able to talk to uh, someone who has such a close relationship with, with Santa. Santa and I have been good friends for a long time. How did you, get, how did you first come across Santa in your, in your current capacity? When did you, when did you start on this path? Uh, 1978, uh, my wife and I came back to Newfoundland. We, I'd spent uh, nine years opening 96 stores across Canada and the U.S. We came, the call of Newfoundland brought us back, and I got a famous call from Aunt Anna Templeton. Mm-hmm. Um, Bruce, will you play Santa at the church? So, now you didn't say no to Aunt Anna. I've heard that, <laughs> yes. So I said, I, I went to look, I called her back and said, sorry, Aunt Anna, I, can only, I can't find the suit that merits the role. Um, I can find flannelette and cotton wool. You don't say that to the director of crafts for the province of Newfoundland and Labrador. <laughs> she said, if I make the suit, will you do it? So what arrived at our house a month later was velvet and lamb's wool and brass and bells from California, prescription glasses, white leather gauntlets from the RCMP. Santa was absolutely spectacular. Then she called me back, and that was the beginning of my adventure with Santa. Yeah, yeah. What, what do you remember about those early days of, of be, being in that role? Well, people would call and say, are you the man who plays Santa? And I probably said yes. Um, and while it was, you know, very, very enjoyable, uh, the parades along the parkway were probably one of the coldest things I've ever done. I had to learn all the tricks of Santa, um, some of them absolutely practical. Uh, for example, I discovered that I had to completely eliminate drinking water after 6 o'clock the night before because it's a long four hours in a red suit. Yeah. Um, and the sleighs don't come very well equipped. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, uh, I, uh, so uh, the, the, the first many years were just years of learning. Yeah. Uh, we've landed helicopters at the shopping centers. We've landed at the Y on Canaz Hill. We've landed helicopters all over the place. Um, so for the first number of years, I, I grew into the role, and I just had a, a, a wonderful time. And the joy in, on the faces of the children is something that if there's one thing that ties all of my volunteer activities together, whether it was provincial commissioner or scouting or no matter what it was, it's making memories for children, and I have an absolute passion for that. Mm-hmm. So I, I played Santa right. for the first, I don't know what, four or five years. And then something shifted. Yeah, something shifted. I We started to go into the Janeway, and my daughter is Dr. Christina Templeton, and uh, Christina, the pediatric cardiologist at the Janeway. So at Christmas Eve, we started to go into the Janeway, and something s- happened then. Um, you'd go into, we'd start on the surgery floor and then go into neonatal, NICU, and then we go to pediatric intensive care. 
And when you were in a hospital where you sat with a child and their parents usually, and one lady said to me one day, for a very brief period of time, Santa, you've made the not-so-normal seem normal again, if only for a brief period of time. And many, many people started to come up to me and say, uh, look at this picture of me with my child. This is the last picture of my child ever taken of them alive. And that was the beginning of my believing that I was Santa. So people would call and say, are you the man who plays Santa? And I would say, no, but I can arrange for him to visit. Um, so that was the beginning of a, of a conversion, if you like. Right. Uh, I, in my 38 years, I will say this, I have never been paid. Uh, I, I think that would just ruin. Uh, a lot of money has been, for, um, has been raised for Rotary. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, but for me personally, the absolute joy comes in the eyes and the expressions of the faces of the children. So I became Santa in the early 80s. Yeah. So this, tell me the story then of this child whose hand, hand you held. Well, there have been quite a number of times through the years where I have um, been aware. Now, there's privacy acts, and I understand that completely. We've signed confidentiality agreements. But when you're in the hospital, I give away these teddy bears, Mm -hmm. and I often don't know why I give them away. I'm just in a group, and the organizers will nod when I get to a child. So I held a little baby once, and uh, I was at an event, and the little baby had marks all over its face. And I said to the organizer, does the baby have measles? And the organizer of the event said, no, Santa, that's OxyContin. The mother's a drug addict. She's breastfeeding the baby. It's come through to the baby. And it's these sort of uh, uh, shocks, really, that make me realize that the child doesn't get to choose the family that it's born into. Um, so it's, it, it, there have been many, many cases where I have held a child. The, the most recent one happened when, on a Tuesday, Santa went in and did the neonatal pictures. Um, one little baby was very, very sick. Uh, they, uh, Santa left the teddy bear there on a Tuesday. On a Friday, I happened to go to Carnell's funeral home for a, for a funeral for an elderly person. And when I walked past down the waking rooms, I looked in, and there was the little white coffin with the teddy bear on the top of the coffin. Uh, and I went into the room. So these are the times when I realize how important Santa is to the families. Mm-hmm. I, I would like to kind of jump ahead in time then. We, we talked about where you started. And, and recently, your, your path seems to always be kind of taking new twists and turns. And I want to talk about uh, St. Nicholas and, uh, and your recent investiture, I guess, as a knight of uh, St. Nicholas. Right. Uh, well, what's happened, of course, is that I have uh, become a, uh, I've studied the the lore and the history of mm-hmm. Santa Claus, and I've gone back through Haddon Sandbloom, Coca Cola. I've gone back through Twas the Night Before Christmas. I, I've learned, and so Saint Nicholas was a real priest, yeah. the Bishop of Myra. Uh, he was actually at the Council of Nicaea when the Nicaean Creed was written. Um, he was the pa- he's the patron saint of many, many things. He's the patron saint of seafarers. People used to go down at the docks and say, May St. Nicholas be with you. He's the patron saint of children. He's actually the patron. And normally when you see St. Nicholas, there's three of something, three bags of gold, three somethings, um, to represent Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, the Trinity. Mm-hmm. He's the patron saint of pawnbrokers. And uh, on outside a pawnbroker shop, you've got the three... The three golden balls. The yeah. three balls. Yeah. Right? So, so I've, I've become aware of St. Nicholas. And um, 
And, and therefore, I have been drawn to St. Nicholas as the patron saint of children. So yes, this year, um, two years ago, I was inducted into this Santa Claus Hall of Fame, which is a privilege to be part of, not something I ever sought. Um, but recently, I've been inducted as a Knight of St. Nicholas. And that was an interesting uh, adventure. You, They came with a sword. They had a, a chalice. And there was a priest put a cross on my forehead. And in the chalice, there's the liquid from the sarcophagus, the tomb of St. Nicholas. So the liquid in this chalice was 1,745 years old. Um, and so I have become uh, much more aware and committed to the, the, the idea of encouraging uh, St. Nicholas as, 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 a, as, a, as a real Christian and Christmas figure. Mm-hmm. Where, where does the story of St. Nicholas and, and gift-giving come in? Do you know that, that oh, legend? Yeah. Oh, I know it very well. Yeah. Um, St. Nicholas was a young man, actually. He started, his parents died when he was very young. Uh, they left him a fair sum of money, uh, and he went into the priesthood. Uh, and uh, he was aware of a, a situation whereby there was a, a, a father with three daughters, um, and um, the mother had passed away. And the daughters didn't have any money for a dowry, and dowries were very important back then. So Nicholas walked along past their door one night, and he saw that inside there was a chimney. There were three stockings hanging that where the girls were drying their, their hose, and three bags of gold were thrown through or placed in the stockings. Um, and that was the beginning of some of the tradition. So Nicholas placed bags of gold in the stockings of three young ladies, and, and that was the beginning of some of the lore of St. Nicholas and stockings. Mm-hmm. And so at what point did he become so closely associated with Christmas then? Well, over time, uh, he became associated with generosity mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and caring, and that grew and grew, and people in the community started to care for one another. Um, and uh, there are also some harsh stories about Nicholas. Nicholas went to a, an inn where three young boys had disappeared, and they'd actually been murdered by an innkeeper who put them in a pickling barrel. And uh, Nicholas became aware of that. He went found the pickling barrel. Uh, and the, the, the story, the lore is that he restored the three ki- uh, kids to, to life. So there are many, many stories of St. Nicholas. As I said, some of them are almost fearful. That I don't know how many of them children should be told. Right, yeah. But he became, he became associated with, with gifts and giving and loving at Christmas time. Mm-hmm. So this, uh, this ceremony where you were made a knight, where did this take place? In Branson, Missouri. Uh, there were 850 of my Santa colleagues there. Uh, and uh, it, was a, it was a very special, very special day. Um, and it, yeah, very, I, I, uh, I, I will still think of it. So yeah. it's very special. And so now, uh, as part of your uh, Christmas activities, you take St. Nicholas with you. Yes. People have asked me, uh, how is it you can do what you do? Uh, well, the answer is that it's almost a ministry. I'm absolutely comfortable. I don't mind. Um, I've been in seniors' homes where... where um, where people have, uh, I've been in a room with a family where a lady is dying in the bedroom, and people have said, "Can we take your teddy bear in and place it with mother?" Uh, and of course you can. Um, so, but in uh, through Nicholas, I, I think every funeral I ever go to, the, the priest, the minister, and every church, they start with Saint John's Gospel, chapter fourteen, verses one to six. 
In my father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. So when I'm in the Janeway Christmas Eve and they say, Santa, go behind that door, there's a child that's dying. I put my hand in the mailbag. I carry St. Nicholas with me everywhere. I, I hold St. Nicholas and I say, Nicholas, go and prepare the way for me so that I am not alone when I go through the door. So Nicholas, for me, has become a, a friend. Uh, he's, he's with me all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's part of, of, of it's part of me now, and it's part of something that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Tell me, you, met, you mentioned the, the, the Hall of Fame. Uh, what is that organization? How did that, how did that come about? Um, well, when I wrote the second book, um, I, I became aware of the Santa Claus Oath um, and I have no tolerance for people who dress up in red suits and have four or five drinks and go door to door and all that. There's, a, there's, there's, there's too much at stake. So um, I became aware of the Santa Claus oath, and then I got permission to use the oath. It's a registered trademark. And then the people in the United States became aware that there was this character in St. John's, Newfoundland, Canada, who was perhaps doing something that not many others were doing. So it's quite an honor to be. I was made then. I was nominated, but I knew nothing about it, and uh, and I was uh, inducted into the Santa Claus Hall of Fame. Now, who are the people in that? Uh, the first one was Edmund Gwynn, uh, Miracle on 34th Street, the British actor, the old black-and-white movie. Mickey Rooney's in the Santa Claus Hall of Fame. Haddon Sandbloom was the, uh, was the illustrator who did the Coca-Cola um, ad drawings in 1931. So there are some amazing, amazing Santas that are in this Hall of Fame, and uh, I'm astonished and privileged to be the only living Canadian. There have been two other Canadians that have been inducted, but they've passed away. So at, at this point, I'm the only living Canadian in the group. And that's a pretty impressive list of people to be, uh, to be included in, yeah? Well, it, it's, uh, again, but these things, you know, I, don't, I, be, I need to be careful. I mean, it's nice to have them. No one can take away the immense satisfaction of being with a child on Christmas Eve. Um, In my book signings, a lady came up to me and said, I'd like you to see before and after. And out of her purse, she took a picture, and she said, here's my daughter 17 years ago. She weighed 700 grams, and they said they wouldn't live, that she wouldn't live. So, uh, And the lady said, and look at her now. And when I looked up, there was a beautiful 17-year-old young lady standing there. And she said, would you sign a book for me? She said, I have heard of my first Christmas all my life, and Santa's the first man who ever held me. So it's these things. The flight to the North Pole when we fly 18 children to the North Mm. Pole. Absolute magic. Now, this is a fabulous program, the the flight to the North Pole. Um, And for the listeners who aren't familiar with what happens, can you you describe that, uh, that event? Yes, through the course of um, of about a month, a radio station here every morning chooses a child uh, based on a question that they have sent in. Uh, Seventeen of them are picked by this radio station, Santa Claus, and some elves actually get to pick the uh, the 18th child, uh, and we choose. We have a child who won't be alive next Christmas. The children are taken to the airport, 6.30 in the morning. They go through security. They're given their boarding passes. They get on a real provincial airlines plane. There's Christmas gift wrap over the windows. The plane takes off. They fly for 20 minutes, and when the plane lands, Santa gets up onto the plane. The children don't come off the plane. But what what is rather nice is the day before, they send to, to me, or they send to Santa in the North Pole, the seating plan. So Santa knows that Dale is in row 2A, 
And the question he wants Santa to answer is, do your feet smell as bad as Uncle Billy's when you take off your boots? (laughs) (laughs) Or why does the reindeer poop on Grampy's lawn look so much like chocolate bars, right? Some of the questions are very tough. Meadow was in row seven. Her question is, Mummy died in a car accident in October. Will her spirit be with you in this late Christmas Eve? So, so Mrs. Claus and I have about five or six hours to think through the answers to these questions. And some of them are, you know, my puppy dog Billy died of cancer. My mummy says, if I am really good, you will bring my puppy back to life and I will find him alive under the tree. So these are, these are some challenging questions that children ask. We answered Emily. We phoned her that night, got the bells, went down the basement, said, Emily, this is Santa. We're back in the North Pole. We just looked outside the big window, and your puppy dog is playing tag with Dasher and Dancer. If you would let your puppy stay with us in the North Pole, we will look after him forever. And the little girl said, thank you, Santa. That's all I need to know for Christmas. It's a great story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So these kids, what what is their uh, reaction to being on this plane? What do they what do they think? What do they experience? Well, I don't know what, if you were six years old and you got shaken out of bed and taken to the airport and you went through security with your mother or dad, and then Santa gets on the plane all covered in snow, you know that there was no snow in Newfoundland when you took off, and suddenly Santa gets on the plane with two inches of real snow all (laughs) over him and shakes the snow in the middle of the aisle, um, they must be absolutely astonished. Yeah. Um, so it's, um, and I have to give full marks to the people at the radio station, Steel Communications, Provincial Airlines actually has a, has a little internal contest now. Every one of the staff members at PAL in blanc Sablon or St. Anthony, they actually bring in the crew um, to be on the plane. Yeah. Um, and it's, but again, what is it all about? It's about, it's about making magic uh, and making memories for children that they will never, ever forget. Yeah. You referenced Mrs. Claus, and uh, and I know sometimes she doesn't get the credit that uh, maybe she should. I- you sure have that right. There's a Mrs. Claus. As uh, yesterday, she was sewing the uh, the fur on Santa's suit. Mrs. Claus is has been part of this adventure for however long thirty eight years. She's in the helicopter, and she walks the two and a half miles of the Santa Claus parade. And it's really rather, she has a headset and uh, earphones and things. And she goes up to people either side of the road and said, what's the name of your child? And then Santa can hear the little girl on your left is Tara. And Santa from the top of the sleigh says, hello, Tara. Ho, 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 Merry Christmas. (laughs) But then two weeks later, people go up to my wonderful wife in the supermarket and say, is Bruce tired after the parade? (laughs) (laughs) Bruce has been sitting back in his comfortable chair. (laughs) Bruce has been standing on the top of the sleigh and gets driven the whole way. Paula has walked the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) She's wonderful. She's, uh, and, and as I said, she's been in the helicopter for 38 years. Um, we'll, we'll land in a place. We've landed at Murray's Pond. We've landed in various places. And, and Santa will go in, and Paula will go in through a back door, and people look at her and say, how did you get here? Um, and uh, she has the role that she's looking for, she, she, but, but people don't even know she's there. Yeah. And she's an amazing, amazing support. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you have a new book out about the, uh, the teddy bear project. Yes. Yeah. Um, the first one I did, The Man in the Red Suit, I'm 71, and I'm getting to the point that I've got to figure out who's going to take over this ministry. Is there someone who will wear a red suit? I expect there is. I'm sure there is. But, of course, I've taken it 
to my own level. Now, I know that I have to get out of the way. The only way that you can fill a hole is to, build, is to make one, right? So I, have to get, so I started the first book. I wrote the second one, The White Beard. And the third one now is, is uh, 24 Teddy Bears. And that one is more written through the eyes of the parents. I've asked, what was it like to be in the Janeway Christmas Eve when you heard the bells come down the hall? So of the of the 24 chapters in that book, three or four of them have been actually written by the parents mm-hmm. who were there when Santa came. But I've had fun with these books. Uh, Rotary is an amazing organization to be part of. Dr. Bruce Aylward from Newfoundland is in Geneva, the World Health Organization. So through the books, we've, we've sent money through to Rotary. It's been matched by the Canadian government and by the Gates Foundation. And at 60 cents per... A dose of vaccine. We've now bought polio vaccine for 300,000 children. Amazing. Pretty happy with that. Yeah. Um, I, I know it's always hard to pick a favorite story, but is there a story in, in the current book that, that kind of stands out to you or that is special for you? Um, well, if I have to choose one, there's a little boy who Santa had met for many years at the John Howard Society. And um, Santa would go through the door, and the same little boy would meet me every year and come and wrap his arms around Santa's leg. Last year when Santa went back, the little guy wasn't there. Uh, And uh, I asked where was my little friend. They said, you'll read about it in the paper tomorrow. And uh, I opened the paper to to read that this young man had gotten in trouble with the law. He'd stolen something. And uh, so I said, Santa's got to find him. Where is he? So I called the Department of Justice, and they said, sorry, Santa, he's a minor. We can't tell you anything. We called Child Youth and Family Services and said, where's my little friend? They said, sorry, we can't help you. So I called John Howard back, and I said, where's my little friend? And they said, your phone will ring in 15 minutes. And happily, the Paradise Youth Treatment Center called Tuckamore said, I understand you're trying to find a little boy. And I said, yes. And she, the wonderful executive director said, you come at 4 o'clock at, on uh, tomorrow, Santa, and I'll ask for permission half an hour after you've gone. <laughs> <laughs> so Santa went in through three sets of locked doors, and he rang the bells from, from the way, way down the hall. A little 12-year-old boy ran the whole length of the hall, and he jumped, and he buried his head in Santa's shoulder, and he said, you found me, you found me, you found me. I was so afraid you wouldn't find me. So every year there's a child somewhere uh, that makes uh, an impression on me that I will never, ever forget. Mm-hmm. Uh, and right now for me, it's that little 12-year-old at Tuckamore. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we're, at the, we're in the Christmas season now. What, what, is your, what does your schedule look like? For the next the next month, I mean, you mu- I know you're you're incredibly busy. Oh, Santa and I are good. Yeah, we have a great time. We have fifty four Santa visits in twenty something days. Um, the Saturdays and Sundays are blistering, um, but that is the privilege of what I do. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. Um, there are two pairs of pants just in case some little child has an accident. Um, and uh, Santa is well equipped when he leaves the North Pole in the morning for any events that could happen during the day, um, and it is an absolute privilege to um, to make memories for children in, in Newfoundland and Labrador. Yeah. So you were saying you're 71. Yes. And that what what is your what is your future hope? What would you like to see happen with with uh, your work? Well, I'm I'm struggling with trying to figure out how do you how do you stop it? Do you cut it off? You know, just say that's it. Uh, and maybe that's the best way to do it. Uh, I, I don't. I can't go through and the 51 or 55 or whatever it is and say, well, I won't go to the sick, I won't go to the elderly, I won't go to the rich, I won't go to the poor. I mean, I, I can't figure out how to how to cut it back. 
So the only solution might be to say that I'll do, try and do, uh, health and Mrs. Claus with, 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 uh, with, with her help. Uh, I'll try and see 40 years at the parade. Mm-hmm. So that would have three more years at the parade. And then if so, there's someone listening to this that thinks that is something that I would love to do, if you will join me in this, it is a ministry. And I would love to find through this uh, program, I'd love to find someone who would like to work with me to, to, uh, to, to take on my ministry when I'm, when, when I'm called to do something else. We, we seem to be living in an era of um, fear, and divisiveness a bit. What, what do you think the role of Santa Claus is at this at this point in human history? Well, it's it's to provide hope. But now, when I was in the U.S., my my Santa colleagues, that was a fascinating thing. There's a lovely story in Newfoundland of two ladies overlooking a white picket fence when the CLB marched by, and one lady turned to the other and said, "Look, everybody's out of step, but Willie." And of course, when you're Willie's mother, everybody is out of step, but Willie. <laughs> When I was in the U.S., many of my Santa colleagues, this is a full-time, 365 days a year, they're professional Santas, 60 to 80,000 a year in income. So I said, what do you do for your hospitals? And they, some of them said, well, we wouldn't go to the hospitals. Nobody will pay us to go. So it's, um, um, the p- photographers are told, never take Santa's picture until you can see both of his hands. Santa's not allowed to be seen touching a job. So my view of I felt like Willie. I thought, I don't belong here. Um, my wife kept assuring me that I, I wasn't out of step. Um, my role of Santa is, is, is someone who's caring, who's loving, um, and who is trying to say to parents, it's your presence, not presence, that counts. Go sliding, make hot chocolate, roast marshmallows, go and make memories for your children. Uh, in 20, 30 years' time, they, they will have no recollection of what they got under a tree. What they will remember forever is what you have done with them as when they were children. So that is my hope and wish for people at Christmas time. Yeah. I've heard you say that before, about that it's about your presence, not your not presence under the tree. Right. I, I think that is a very important thing. And that sometimes gets overlooked at Christmas time. It becomes all about the stuff and not so much about the memories. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, Santa can see, Yes. Santa sees that. Uh, but please uh, think about the things that, were re- that really matter to you and go and spread joy, peace, love, and happiness. And especially the seniors. Please remember the seniors. One lady said to me one day, I said, what would you like for Christmas? And she said, please tell my children where I am on Christmas Day and tell them that I love them. Uh, Remember our seniors. They're they're an important part of our heritage. We we think a lot about Santa as being for kids, but but you do a lot of work with uh, people of all ages. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm very conscious too of of uh, of uh, dementias, and um, I always have a witness with me. But there was a dear soul who was 102, and Santa wrapped his arms around her and said, "What would you like for Christmas?" And she said, "Go to bed with me, Santa." Uh, and uh, I was Santa was a bit astonished. Went down the hall and met a 96 year old man who said, "There's a dear soul down the hall wants to go to bed with Santa. What'll I do?" And the man said, lend me your hat, Santa. What's her room number? (laughs) (laughs) But there's a joy in a senior's home at Christmas time. One room, you can see Christmas trees and we love you, Granny. And all people with with, uh, all kinds of Christmas spirit. The next room can be cold and dark and and you go in and gray and there's some wizened, lonely soul. uh, And they can happen right next to each other. So uh, the Christmas spirit is something that we all need to get out and celebrate. And please remember seniors at Christmas time. Great. 
Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I feel like we could talk for ages about uh, Christmas and, and your work. Um, to finish off with, if people are looking for your most recent book, where can they where can they track it down? Oh, I think through through all of the bookstores, and I, I, it's available through the through the online as well. Yeah, and the title is Twenty Four Teddy Bears: A Christmas Journey. Great. Well, thank you very much, and a very merry Christmas. Ho 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 ho! Merry Christmas. <laughs> I'm Dale Jarvis. You've been listening to Living Heritage, a production of CHMR Radio 93.5 in collaboration with the Intangible Cultural Heritage Office of the Heritage Foundation of Newfoundland and Labrador. You can find us online at ichblog.ca or on iTunes. Our production assistant is Tara Barrett. We would love to know what you think of the show. Leave us a comment on the Living Heritage Podcast Facebook page or tweet us at ICH underscore NL. Thanks for listening.